Section 5 of Optics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Optics by Isaac Newton. Book 1. Part 1. Proposition 2. Section 2. Experiment 5. Considering, therefore, that if in the third experiment the image of the sun should be drawn out into an oblong form, either by a dilatation of every ray, or by any other casual inequality of the refractions, the same oblong image would by a second refraction made sideways be drawn out as much in breadth by the light dilatation of the rays, or other casual inequality of the refraction sideways. I tried what would be the effects of such a second refraction. For this end I ordered all things as in the third experiment, and then placed a second prism immediately after the first in a cross position to it, that it might again refract the beam of the sun's light which came to it through the first prism. In the first prism this beam was refracted upwards, and in the second sideways. And I found that by the refraction of the second prism, the breadth of the image was not increased but its superior part, which in the first prism suffered the greater refraction, and appeared violet and blue, did again in the second prism suffer a greater refraction than its inferior part, which appeared red and yellow, and this without any dilatation of the image in breadth. Illustration Let capital S, figures 14, 15, represent the sun, capital F, the hole in the window, capital ABC, the first prism, capital DH, the second prism, capital Y, the round image of the sun made by a direct beam of light when the prisms are taken away, capital PT, the oblong image of the sun made by that beam passing through the first prism alone, when the second prism is taken away, and PT, the image made by the cross refractions of both prisms together. Now if the rays which tend towards the several points of the round image capital Y were dilated and spread by the refraction of the first prism, so that they should not any longer go in single lines to single points, but that every ray being split, shattered, and changed from a linear ray to a superficies of rays diverging from the point of refraction, and lying in the plane of the angles of incidence and refraction, they should go in those planes to so many lines reaching almost from one end of the image capital PT to the other, and if that image should thence become oblong, those rays and their several parts tending towards the several points of the image capital PT ought to be again dilated and spread sideways by the transverse refraction of the second prism, so as to compose a four-square image such as is represented at pi tau for the better understanding of which let the image capital pt be distinguished into five equal parts capital pqk capital kqrl capital lrsm capital msvn capital nvt and by the same irregularity that the orbicular light capital y is by the refraction of the first prism dilated and drawn out into a long image capital pt 
the light capital p q k which takes up a space of the same length and breadth with the light capital y ought to be by the refraction of the second prism dilated and drawn out into the long image pi q k p and the light capital k q r l into the long image k q r l and the lights capital l r s m capital m s v n capital n v t into so many other long images l r s m m s v n n v t tau and all these long images would compose the four square images pi tau thus it ought to be were every ray dilated by refraction and spread into a triangular superficies of rays diverging from the point of refraction for the second refraction would spread the rays one way as much as the first doth another and so dilate the image in breadth as much as the first doth in length and the same thing ought to happen were some rays casually refracted more than others but the event is otherwise the image capital p t was not made broader by the refraction of the second prism but only became oblique as tis represented at p t its upper end capital p being by the refraction translated to a greater distance than its lower end capital t so then the light which went towards the upper end capital p of the image was at equal incidences more refracted in the second prism than the light which tended towards the lower end capital t that is the blue and violet than the red and yellow and therefore was more refrangible the same light was by the refraction of the first prism translated farther from the place capital y to which it tended before refraction and therefore suffered as well in the first prism as in the second a greater refraction than the rest of the light and by consequence was more refrangible than the rest even before its incidence on the first prism sometimes i placed a third prism after the second and sometimes also a fourth after the third by all which the image might be often refracted sideways but the rays which were more refracted than the rest in the first prism were also more refracted in all the rest and that without any dilatation of the image sideways and therefore those rays for their constancy of a greater refraction are deservedly reputed more refrangible but that the meaning of this experiment may more clearly appear it is to be considered that the rays which are equally refrangible do fall upon a circle answering to the sun's disk for this was proved in the third experiment by a circle i understand not here a perfect geometrical circle but any orbicular figure whose length is equal to its breadth and which as to sense may seem circular let therefore capital a g in figure fifteen represent the circle which all the most refrangible rays propagated from the whole disk of the sun would illuminate and paint upon the opposite wall if they were alone capital e l the circle which all the least refrangible rays would in like manner illuminate and paint if they were alone capital b h capital c j capital d k the circles which so many intermediate sorts of rays would successively paint upon the wall if they were singly propagated from the sun in successive order the rest being always intercepted 
and conceive that there are other intermediate circles without number which innumerable other intermediate sorts of rays would successively paint upon the wall if the sun should successively emit every sort apart and seeing the sun emits all these sorts at once they must altogether illuminate and paint innumerable equal circles of all which being according to their degrees of refrangibility placed in order in a continual series that oblong spectrum capital p t is composed which i described in the third experiment now if the sun's circular image capital y in figure fifteen which is made by an unrefracted beam of light was by any dilation of the single rays or by any other irregularity in the refraction of the first prism converted into the oblong spectrum capital p t then ought every circle capital a g capital b h capital c j and so on in that spectrum by the cross refraction of the second prism again dilating or otherwise scattering the rays as before to be in a like manner drawn out and transformed into an oblong figure and thereby the breadth of the image capital p t would be now as much augmented as the length of the image capital y was before by the refraction of the first prism and thus by the refractions of both prisms together would be formed a four-square figure p pi t tau as i described above wherefore since the breadth of the spectrum capital p t is not increased by the refraction sideways it is certain that the rays are not split or dilated or otherwise irregularly scattered by that refraction but that every circle is by a regular and uniform refraction translated entire into another place as the circle capital a g by the greatest refraction into the place a g the circle capital b h by a less refraction into the place b h the circle capital c j by refraction still less into the place c i and so of the rest by which means a new spectrum p t inclined to the former capital p t is in like manner composed of circles lying in a right line and these circles must be of the same bigness with the former because the breadths of all the spectrums capital y capital p t and p t at equal distances from the prisms are equal i considered farther that by the breadth of the whole capital f through which the light enters into the dark chamber there is a penumbra made in the circuit of the spectrum capital y and that penumbra remains in the rectilinear sides of the spectrums capital p t and p t i placed therefore at that hole a lens or object glass of a telescope which might cast the image of the sun distinctly on capital y without any penumbra at all and found that the penumbra of the rectilinear sides of the oblong spectrums capital p t and p t was also thereby taken away so that those sides appeared as distinctly defined as did the circumference of the first image capital y thus it happens if the glass of the prisms be free from veins and their sides be accurately plain and well polished without those numberless waves or curls which usually arise from sand-holes a little smoothed in polishing with putty if the glass be only well polished and free from veins and the sides not accurately plain but a little convex or concave as it frequently happens 
yet may the three spectrums capital y capital pt and pt want penumbras but not in equal distances from the prisms now from this want of penumbras i knew more certainly that every one of the circles was refracted according to some most regular uniform and constant law for if there were any irregularity in the refraction the right lines capital a e and capital g l which all the circles in the spectrum capital p t do touch could not by that refraction be translated into the lines a e and g l as distinct and straight as they were before but there would arise in those translated lines some penumbra or crookedness or undulation or other sensible perturbation contrary to what is found by experience whatsoever penumbra or perturbation should be made in the circles by the cross refraction of the second prism all that penumbra or perturbation would be conspicuous in the right lines a e and g l which touch those circles and therefore since there is no such penumbra or perturbation in those right lines there must be none in the circles since the distance between those tangents or breadth of the spectrum is not increased by the refractions the diameters of the circles are not increased thereby since those tangents continue to be right lines every circle which in the first prism is more or less refracted is exactly in the same proportion more or less refracted in the second and seeing all these things continue to succeed after the same manner when the rays are again in a third prism and again in a fourth refracted sideways it is evident that the rays of one and the same circle as to their degree of refrangibility continue always uniform and homogeneal to one another and that those of several circles do differ in degree of refrangibility and that in some certain and constant proportion which is the thing i was to prove there is yet another circumstance or two of this experiment by which it becomes still more plain and convincing let the second prism capital d h in figure sixteen be placed not immediately after the first but at some distance from it suppose in the midway between it and the wall on which the oblong spectrum capital p t is cast so that the light from the first prism may fall upon it in the form of an oblong spectrum pi tau parallel to this second prism and be refracted sideways to form the oblong spectrum p t upon the wall and you will find as before that this spectrum p t is inclined to that spectrum capital p t which the first prism forms alone without the second the blue ends capital p and p being farther distant from one another than the red ones capital t and t and by consequence that the rays which go to the blue end pi of the image pi tau and which therefore suffer the greatest refraction in the first prism are again in the second prism more refracted than the rest the same thing i tried also by letting the sun's light into a dark room through two little round holes capital f and phi in figure seventeen made in the window and with two parallel prisms capital a b c and alpha beta gamma placed at those holes one at each refracting those two beams of light to the opposite wall of the chamber 
in such a manner that the two colored images capital p t and capital m n which they there painted were joined end to end and lay in one straight line the red end capital t of the one touching the blue end capital m of the other for if these two refracted beams were again by a third prism capital d h placed cross to the two first refracted sideways and the spectrums thereby translated to some other part of the wall of the chamber suppose the spectrum capital p t to p t and the spectrum capital m n to m n these translated spectrums p t and m n would not lie in one straight line with their ends contiguous as before but be broken off from one another and become parallel the blue end m of the image m n being by a greater refraction translated farther from its former place capital m t than the red end t of the other image p t from the same place capital m t which puts the proposition past dispute and this happens whether the third prism capital d h be placed immediately after the two first or at a great distance from them so that the light refracted in the two first prisms be either white and circular or colored and oblong when it falls on the third end of section five